heart to You to worship the King of glory, the One who was worthy, the One who gave His only Son to die on a cross for our sins, Lord God. Father, the One who promises that He's coming again. Hallelujah. Lord, we love You today. Receive our worship. Be glorified in this place, Lord God, and let Your glory fall fresh. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, bless that wonderful name of Jesus. Bless that wonderful name of Jesus. Bless that wonderful name of Jesus. Lord, the name I know. Oh, bless that wonderful, bless that wonderful name of
us the victory. Amen. Hallelujah. We serve a good God, an all-powerful God, an all-knowing God. Hallelujah. How great. And how great is God. worship our great God this morning. No
thank you this morning that there is nothing that is too difficult. Hallelujah. No situation, no circumstance. Hallelujah. Oh, 
thank you, Lord, that you are a friend and a healer of broken hearts. For in this life, we all endure afflictions within. There are sorrows in this human season, this human journey. But you have promised never to leave us nor forsake us. You have promised to walk with us through every situation, whether it be mountaintop or valley. But you have introduced yourself to us as a comforter, as a counselor, and as a great physician. And Lord Jesus, we thank you that you heal more than just the outward. You heal the inward. The areas where some of us struggle the most, your grace is sufficient and your power is present to make us whole and make us strong. And in that we say, Jesus, thank you. Jesus, thank you. Jesus, thank you. And all God's people said, let's give the Lord a hand clap. He's wonderful. He's worthy. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Isn't that wonderful? Sometimes we struggle. You know, we can look good. We put on our Sunday best and we try to act like everything's all right. But sometimes it's not, actually. But I'm glad to know there's someone that I can always be honest with. Amen? There's someone that always knows what I'm going through and I can cast my burden on Him. I can bring my needs to Him. Amen? And He understands what other people just kind of laugh at and He can heal and touch what other people just say, sorry, we don't know what to do. I'm glad Jesus always knows what to do. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, good morning. So good to see everybody out. Uh, special thanks, like Pastor Todd said, special thank you for all the, the, the many, many generous um, gifts, the cards, the, the, the little notes that were in each one. Such a blessing. Thank you. We love you so much. And um, it's so nice. It's so nice. The words of encouragement, they're, they're always a blessing. And again, you folks are the best. We love you dearly and we thank you for that. If you have your Bibles, if you would turn to 1 Samuel 18, we're in a short series of sermons from the life of David. And this is really a, a part two. This is a part two entitled, Can You Stand to Be Blessed? Can You Stand to Be Blessed? Some people can't stand it because there are challenges that come with promotion. There are challenges that come with advancement. And we're going to look at them. We've been looking at them. So if you would... 1 Samuel, let's begin with verse number 1. We're going to read a little bit. After David had finished talking with Saul. Now, this is after David had killed Goliath, okay? Goliath went down. Israel rose up, chased off, defeated the Philistines. And now David is asked to come see the king. So after David had finished talking with King Saul, Jonathan, that's Prince Jonathan, became one in spirit with David and loved him as himself. From that day, Saul kept David with him and did not let him return to his father's house. And Jonathan made a covenant with David and loved him as himself. And Jonathan took off the robe he was wearing and gave it to David, along with his tunic, his sword, his bow, and his belt. Verse 5 says, Whatever Saul sent David to do, he did so successfully or wisely. We explained that last week. Saul was so pleased that he gave him a high rank in the army. And this pleased the people and the other officers. When the men were returning home after David had killed the Philistine, the women came out from all the towns of Israel to meet King Saul with singing and dancing, joyful songs, tambourines, lutes, and they danced and sang, Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. 
Saul heard that and he was a bit angry. He was a kind of galled. He said, hey, hey, they're crediting in this young guy, David, with tens of thousands and me with only thousands. What more can he get but the kingdom? Ooh. And from that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. The next day, an evil spirit from God came forcefully upon Saul and he was prophesying in his house while David was playing the harp as he usually did. And Saul had a spear in his hand. And he hurled it, saying, I'll pin David to the wall. But David eluded him twice. Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with David. But it left Saul. So he sent David away from him and he gave him a command over a thousand men. And David led them um, in their campaigns. And everything he did, he had great success because the Lord was with him. And when Saul saw how successful he was, he was afraid of him. But all Israel and Judah loved David because he led them. On, his, on their campaigns. Can you stand to be blessed? Father, we thank You for Your Word. Give us ears to hear and hearts to receive. Teach us Your ways that we might walk faithfully and victoriously before You in Jesus' name. We are studying the aftermath of David's victory over Goliath. We are learning that promotion has its privileges but also its problems. This is part two. And last week we expounded the four qualities that we saw in David that kept him during this preparation process. After David's first anointing, we studied that, that private anointing where Samuel anointed David in front of his brothers. Then after he killed the giant, he rolls up when everyone else is shrinking back. And then he goes back faithfully, taking care of the sheep, handles it so um, humbly. David had to endure 13 long years of tests and trials approving, a pruning, a preparation before he ever became king. And meanwhile, King Saul, well, his intense jealousy and hostility, insecurity, and if you know the story, pretty much his insanity, did everything it could to keep his throne and fight off any challenger to his throne. But through all that, we thank God that what Saul meant for evil, God meant for good. Oftentimes, what hell means for evil, God can use it for good if we respond properly. And God used all of Saul's negative things and his attacks and his unkindness to actually ready David and mature David and prepare David for his throne. Friend, entrust your throne to God. Entrust your throne to God. Now remember, God wants to raise up Davids today. We want to say this in every message. God is still looking in this present hour for men and women after God's own heart. Those that will love what God loves and are grieved by what grieves God. People that are willing to do God's will and stand for God's cause and fight God's battle. Someone that will say, Lord, what's important to you is important to me. God is still looking for those that will faithfully serve God in their generation. With the time you have left, don't waste any more of it. Give it all to Jesus. With the years you have left, don't waste any more of it. Serve God with all your might and all your strength. You might have served God faithfully for the last 50 years. God's Word to you is finished strong. Keep it up. You've done well. Now finish strong to the very end. Praise the name of the Lord and serve Him faithfully. Listen, maybe you've been lallygagging or maybe you just got table. Good news, good news. It's not how you start. It's how you finish. And you can and finish strong. If you make up your mind today, I'm not going to be a nominal Christian. I'm not just going to be a Christian by name, but I'm going to wholeheartedly serve the Lord Jesus and I'm not going to be ashamed of the Gospel or my Savior and my King. Can you say Amen?
God is looking for Davids today, those that will confront and defeat the present-day Goliaths. Davids are giant killers. And let there be no doubt there are giants in the land today. Last week we saw how David had those four qualities that kept him during that trying decade of proving, pruning, and preparation. Those qualities that kept him growing. Those qualities that kept him from quitting. Those qualities that kept him from being disqualified from God's high call. Last week we said, number one, David behaved wisely. The the new King James, wisely, instead of successfully. We explained that word. You can't be a one-hit wonder if you're going to be a David. But the Bible says how David handled all the various situations that he had to go through. He carried himself properly. He walked in the wisdom of God. Therefore, he could have the blessing of God. Whether um, success wouldn't puff him up, accusations and arrows wouldn't embitter him. Victory or privilege, jealousy or attacks, David handled himself or carried himself properly. Secondly, we saw that David did not retaliate. And we said, friend, give it to Jesus. Don't become a spear thrower. Men might hurl insults or accusations at you, but never ever fight the Lord's battles the devil's way. Can you say amen? Let God defend you. Walk in integrity. Walk in the love and in the grace of God. Number three, David held on to his faith. Thirteen long years of injustice. Thirteen long years of being hounded and attacked. Why? Because he was blessed. Because he obeyed God. Because he was anointed of God. And we said, friend, regardless of what you go through. Keep believing. Keep trusting and keep obeying. Whatever happens, don't surrender your faith. It's the most important thing you have. Your faith in Jesus Christ. We can lose and we do lose a lot of things in this life and some things are heartbreaking. But the most important thing you have, Jesus said, Peter, I'm praying for you that your faith fails not. So whatever you do, hold on to your faith. Keep trusting in the Lord. Then lastly, we said David kept a joyful spirit. And we took note, we took note that out of some of his hardest times came some of the most moving psalms. David wrote so many of those wonderful psalms we read and we sing, not, not in some writer's convention, not on sabbatical, but he wrote them in some caves. He wrote them on the run. He wrote them while he's ducking spears and fighting off false accusations. And we said, friend, no matter what you go through, don't surrender your song. It'll keep you strong and it'll keep God near. Can you say amen? All right, this week, part two. Part two. I want to focus on four changes, almost overnight. Four changes that took place in David's life when he whipped the giant. David's victory over Goliath brought four changes. And the child of God must learn and be able to adjust, to adapt, to expand, to enlarge with the changes that come. If you're going to be blessed and God wants to bless you, then you've got to learn how to respond to change. Because when God takes a man or a woman from faith to faith, from glory to glory, it demands a change. There's a change in relationship, in responsibility, in requirement, and you name it. And we have to be able to respond to that. All right. The, The day David killed Goliath, opened up a whole new chapter in his life. Never again would he be just merely a lowly shepherd boy. But never again would he be without the pressures and the challenges and the demands of leadership. He'd come a long way. And so have you. If you love the Lord this morning, hey, you've come a long way. 
We want to thank God there's been a change that came into our lives when that giant of sin and self was slain on Calvary. When Jesus came into our hearts and we became new creatures, we want to thank God this morning there's been a change. Amen? We've had to make some changes, but praise God for them. Where would we be had we not said yes to Jesus? Let me ask you, who would you be with? What trail would you be walking down? Where would you be sitting this morning if you hadn't said, yes, Lord, I receive you and I love you? Can you say amen? Number one, David's success, David's success overnight brought him, brought him a new family, created a new family. You see that in verse two. What does it say here that Saul kept him from then on? From that day, Saul kept David with him and did not let him return to his father's house. Again, can you stand to be blessed? There's going to be some changes. There's going to be... You know, when you got saved, there were some changes that came into your life. When you got saved, you entered into a new family. Did you not? It's a good thing. We, we, we welcome to the family of God. It's wonderful. We have that like precious faith. We've been redeemed by the same precious blood. We are indwelled with the same powerful Holy Spirit of God. Jesus said, I build my church and the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. And if you're a Christian, you're part of that church that Jesus is building and defending and leading on to glory. If you are a Christian, and this is good news for you, and I look forward to sharing with the younger folks in that next service. If you're a Christian, you are part of the family of God. What a glorious thing. You're not alone in this walk of faith. You're not by yourself in this fight of faith. You have brothers and sisters that are praying for you and standing with you and willing to encourage you and willing to support you. And as you do your part to take advantage of being in the family of God, and that's what you're doing here today, today. You're taking advantage. You're enjoying the privilege of being part of the body of Christ. As you do that, you recognize there is um, so many blessings and so many benefits when we cooperate with one another and we participate in the family of God. We are so blessed. The Bible says, you know, that believers, as Christians, we pray one for another. Man, when you come into this family, you get people that will pray for you. You get people that will care about you. The Bible says we encourage Encourage one another. We got people that are in your corner urging you on. Come on, if you fell down, get back up. Come on, dust yourself off. Get in the race. Where you been? I've been missing you. Come on, you can do it. I know that's not easy what you're going through, but others have gone through and we'll help you get through it. When you're part of the family of God, the Bible says we minister and we, we, we honor one another. We use our gifts and talents not to bless ourselves, but to bless one another. When you come to the family of God, you get blessed by your brother's gift. You get blessed by your sister's anointing. It's a great thing to be part of the family of God. The Bible says we love and we honor one another. In a world of so much rejection and so much abandonment in the family of God, there's acceptance and there's love and there's sincerity. There's edification. The Bible says as we build one another up to be the men and the women God has called us to be. If you're part of the church, the Bible Bible says we bear one another's burdens. We show kindness and hospitality to one another. We stand by one another's side as we fight this good fight of faith. Oh, it's a beautiful thing. Sometimes we weep together. Sometimes we rejoice together. But we always stand together. And we always love together. Oh, what a joy it is to be part of the family of God. Can you say amen? And if you're saved, you got a new family. As soon as you got saved, boom, a change. 
The old is gone. Behold, all things are new. And you came into a wonderful family of those of a like precious faith. And that's a beautiful thing. But now with David, it's a little different. It's not so beautiful. Because David's new family was not spiritual like ours. It was much more practical. And that, that, that's a different story. It, it was physical. You see, David, um, the text shows us clearly how change comes with promotion. And some struggle with this. When you think about this, this keeps a person often in a, what do you call it, a a holding pattern. If you cannot accept change that is demanded with promotion, if you cannot, for instance, on the job, if you're promoted, there's a change. In the family, sometimes the blessing means there's going to be change. Sometimes in um, your, your, your ministry, if there's going to be a blessing, it'll demand. There's a change in our careers, in our home life. We can go on and on. Let me explain a little bit more. Our text shows us how change comes with promotion. Some struggle with this. Overnight, David had his life turned upside down. The silence, the comfort, the familiarity of the hillside, his family. It's replaced with the noise of the palace, the competition of the palace, the suspicion of the palace, the strangers in the palace. Oh, i got to move to a new place with a new job. And, but where's aunt so-and-so? Where's uncle? Oh, the, all of a sudden things are different now. Um, um, it's, there's the uncertainty of fitting in. There's the unfamiliar with people and the task and the new demands and their new way of doing things. Will I be accepted in the new place? Who can I trust in this new place? I mean, it's like some people that come to a a Pentecostal church for the full time. Amen. And they're not used to some of this. There's a change. You've got to be willing to adjust and, and, and adapt. There's a newness. Now, change comes with promotion. Many people miss God's best because they don't want to accept that. Because God says, if you want more of me, there's going to be some stretching. There's going to be some pruning. There's going to be a heavier weight demanded on you. I want you to walk with me in this. Some have sold themselves short and accepted a lower level of God's high call in their life simply because they didn't want to get away from mommy and daddy. Some have been, you know, they didn't want to, it was comfortable in this level. But if God's calling you to a new level, it'll demand an enlargement. It'll demand a stretching from our lives. Life is never the same after a a, a huge success or advancement. Many people want privilege and authority, but less demand and less change. But really, there is no such animal. Change comes with promotion. And it must be accepted and wisely embraced if David's going to come into his own. The ability to adjust, to adapt, to... um, to be stretched by new seasons and new situations and new revelations, new expectations, new responsibilities are of greatest importance if we're going to grow and be the one God's called us to be. Some people want to get serious with God, but they don't want to change their lifestyle. Some people want to go forward in the things of God, but they're not willing to give up the lesser things to embrace the higher things that God is calling them to, to embrace. Blessing brings change in our relationships, in our responsibilities, in our resistance. 
There's a change in relationship. Now you've got new friends. Now you've got new mentors. There's new bosses. There's new competitors. There's responsibilities. There's new demands. Now you've got to make the decision. Now the bottom line is on your desk. It was a lot easier when you were standing behind the machine. You could tell them how to run the whole plant. But now you've got a handful of people to watch over. And it's not as easy as it once was when you were just, oh, come on, say amen. I just want to make sure I'm talking to the right group. Amen. Isn't that right? Um, it's easy to have all the answers from the 50-yard line, you know, up there in the bleachers. But then all of a sudden, now, now you make the call. Well, 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 well. Different story. And there's a stretching and there's a growing. There's greater resistance. But friend, if you're in the will of God, you can take it. If you're in the will of God, God's grace will be there for you. You can stand where God's put you to stand. You can do what God has called you to do. You've just got to accept that and respond to that. Now, promotion gives a person new friends and new freedoms, but also new enemies and new expectations. There's new critics and there's new opportunities. Jesus said, much is required to whom much is given. And I'll tell you, our God's a giving God, is He not? But with that giving comes an expectation and a requirement from God. So I encourage someone, don't allow those things to turn you back from your God-appointed destiny and your God-appointed mission and blessing. For such a time as this, you can do it if you're in the will of God. You can, you can. His grace is sufficient. His power is present. And from three different sources will come a greater demand on you. Can you stand to be blessed? That is our title. Can you stand to be blessed? For when God begins to bring promotion into a man or a woman's life, especially in the kingdom, three areas of of demand. Number one, the enemy will make you a greater target. The enemy will make you a greater target. You see, greater spiritual pressure and attack will come because you now have become a greater threat to the enemy and you now have a greater influence for righteousness and eternity. New, what do they say? New levels, new devils, someone once said. But listen, you can handle it because greater is He that's within you than he that's in the world. But listen, somebody, I want a promotion. I want a promotion. Then all of a sudden, man, why is it so hard? It's because with every new level, is a new resistance and an opposition from the enemy. You can't expect it to be as easy as it was when you were the lowest guy on the pole and now all of a sudden you're here and it's going to be easier. No! It gets harder! The enemy will make you a greater target. The Lord will demand of you a greater accountability. Write that down. The enemy will make you a greater target. And the Lord will demand of you a greater accountability. Let's look at James 3 and 1 together, Jimmy. Let's look at that. James 3 and 1. Not many of you should presume to be teachers. If you're not called to it, stay out of it. Don't just be moved by selfish ambition. Make sure it's a godly ambition. Make sure it's, the motives are pure. Amen? Make sure it's God and not just, you know. Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know, understand this, that those who teach, those who lead, those that preach, those that work on the... will be judged more strictly. The Lord will demand of you a greater accountability. The more influence you have, the more authority you're entrusted with, the greater God's scrutiny and judgment. The Lord says, the Lord says to His leaders this morning, I'm expecting more from you. I'm demanding more from your life. Understand that I want a return on my investment in you. 
And I'm going to measure you with a different rod than I measure others. I'm going to weigh you on a different scale than I weigh others. So as we grow and we enjoy the blessing of God and we go forward in the promotion of God, we have to recognize that will make us a greater threat to the enemy, but it also will bring upon us a greater scrutiny from our God, a greater accountability. As much is required, too much is given. And when you're given anointing and you're given authority and you're given a position of leadership, God says, I'm going to demand. Number three, the people will place upon you a greater expectation. You see that in the first chapter of Joshua, one of my favorite chapters in the Old Testament. You know, that's the chapter where Joshua receives his commissioning. And it's really exciting how God says, as I was with Moses, I'll be with you. Moses is dead. Now you go and lead. Amen. But I'm going to be with you in every place. Your footsteps, I'll give you that land. No one will stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, I will be with you. He says, but only be strong and of a good courage. So you can do what I've called me. Only be strong. Three times is be strong and of a good courage. And I'll lead you and you'll lead my people. And then Joshua in the same chapter begins begins to speak to the people, giving them the orders to go forward and the people receive it. And then at the very end of that chapter, the people almost echo what God said to Joshua and they just said, Joshua, we will follow you, only be strong and courageous. Joshua, we will follow you like we did Moses, but you've got to lead us like Moses led us. And you know, when you get to that place and that position, the people, properly so, will expect more from you. Some people don't like that. Amen? Let's think about that. Let's think about the people answer. We're with you. And we'll follow you. But Joshua, you've got to be strong and courageous like God said. We'll follow you like we did Moses, but we're expecting from you. Change comes with promotion. And friend, David handled it. He rose to the occasion, and so can you. Because the one that promotes you enables you. He prepares us for what He has prepared for us. And don't ever forget, you are fully equipped to meet the demands of the present hour and the present calling on your life. Wherever God takes you, His grace is sufficient for you. All you've got to do is stop and ask yourself, am I in the will of God? If you are, then go ahead and sing and shout, the devil is a liar. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. God's grace is sufficient. Amen? If He's called you to do it, you can do it. If He's called you to walk it, you can walk it. This is no longer I that liveth, but it's Christ that liveth within us. Don't let your own timidities and your own insecurities hinder you from going forward in God's best. You've got to say, my faith is not in me. If I look within, I get fearful. If I look without, I get intimidated. But if I look up and see Him who is altogether lovely, then faith is stirred. Confidence comes. And I can believe that if God called me, I can do it. If God is going to be with me, then no devil can stand against me. Can you say amen? Number one, David's success created a new family. If you're going to receive your promotion, it's going to mean new people and new places and new requirements and new... All right. Secondly, David's success created a new fame. A new fame. When we read that, the people were singing his praises. Oh, wow. David, um, he found a newfound fame. And um, it's a lot for a young person. Remember, he's just a teenager at this thing starts. I mean, that's hard to handle. Suddenly, everyone is singing um, his praises. The nation, he's a national hero. And 
just a week earlier, man, he, he's forgotten by everyone, including his family. Amen? I mean, when Samuel showed up to anoint him, God's dad didn't even think him fit to bring to the party. Remember that? And that's a long way to go in just a short amount of time. And, and some people would have got you know, a big head over that. But David, he seems to be able to handle all in stride. There's something special about David. Look at Proverbs 27 and 21. Proverbs 27 and 21. Because God's a good God, and if you walk with God, He's going to bless you. If you walk with God and be serious about God, He's going to open doors for you. Promotion comes from the Lord. God's going to anoint you. God's just looking for people He can trust. God's just looking for someone that'll go when He says go, and speak when He says speak, and take it all in stride, humbly giving the glory to God. Amen? And, and if, you, if, you, if you're a willing vessel, God says, I've been looking for you. Amen? I know a lot of people, I'm waiting on God. God's been waiting on us. Let's get, let's get real here. Amen? God is waiting to find men and women that will put Him first. Seek first that kingdom. And God says, oh, I'll use you. But, success as it creates a new fame, there's a new challenge. The Bible says, the crucible for silver and the furnace for gold, but man is tested. By the praise he receives. Isn't that interesting? Can you stand to be blessed? Just as the crucible and furnace test metal and prepare it for its intended use and purpose, so praise tests and prepares people for what God has planned for them. How a person responds reveals what they're made of, whether or not they're ready to take on the new responsibilities and the new measure of authority and blessing that God has for them. If praise humbles us, good. If it puffs us, one more time around the barn, as they say. Now listen, friend, when you're blessed, and if you're going to walk with God, you will be blessed. Because God blesses. Amen? He's a good God. He's a faithful God. There's no problem with God blessing. He's, just, he's more than eager to bless. Isn't that right? Now listen, when you're blessed, stay small in your own eyes, Give God the glory. Stay humble in heart. Lead by example and treat others as you would want to be treated. When you're put in that position of leadership, when you get the blessing because God is exalting you, then treat others the way you want to be treated. Take it humbly. Give God the glory for it. Because the Spirit, believer, the Spirit that got you there will keep you there. David's success created a new family, created a new fame, created a, a new foe, a new foe. Now, that's tough. King Saul, King Saul. And it's hard when that foe really has power because then they can really mess with you. Amen? Then, then, then that's really, that's, that's a tough place. And, but this is nothing new. And as we studied last time, David handled it all right. King Saul's jealousy, his attacks, he just lashed out at David because he saw God was with David. And because of Saul's disobedience, God had withdrawn from Saul. David had done nothing wrong. What had David done? He had done the will of God. He had stood for the cause of God. He had received the blessing and promotion of God. Jesus said in John 15 and verse 20, John 15 and verse 20, remember the words I speak, no servant is greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you. Think about it. Jesus says, hey, if they did it to me, they might just do it to you if you follow me. Amen? It's not out of the conversation, is it? 
We're not asking for it. We're not putting it on the prayer sheet. But hey, the fact remains. If we're going to serve God wholeheartedly in a lost world that doesn't know God, you know what? Some people won't understand that. Some people won't like that. But that cannot move us from obeying the Lord and putting Him first in our lives. Let's look at this a little bit here. Just because you're blessed, my friend, doesn't mean you won't have to battle. In fact, many times the reason you're battling is because you're blessed. And we could walk through so many examples in the Bible. I mean, Job, God was bragging on him. Amen? And, and he, got, he had the toughest time in his life. Why? Because God was boasting on him. Sometimes you want to say, Lord, stop bragging on me already. I got the point. Amen? But Jehoshaphat, and we go through Joseph and Daniel and Moses, all these men of God, they, they were under attack, not because they did something wrong, but because they were loving God and serving God wholeheartedly. And they were blessed. And others got jealous and others got worried. And when you walk with God, when you're wholehearted for God, sometimes people aren't going to applaud you. Sometimes they're going to say bad things about you. Sometimes they're going to falsely accuse you. It happened Old Testament. It happened New Testament. It's just part. We're in this world, but we're not of this world. This world is not our home we're passing through. But as we're passing through, we're doing our best to seek first the kingdom of God and and live for Jesus. And sometimes that's not understood. That's not embraced. And that's not wanted. But we've made up our mind. We will serve the Lord. This world behind us, the cross before us, no, no turning back. We've made up our mind. But if you make up your mind and get serious about God, listen, sometimes people close to you won't understand it. Sometimes people you've known for years and years won't appreciate it. At first, David might have been thinking, man, promotion. Sitting at the king's table. Man, eating good here. Better than out there in the woods somewhere, scrounging out with the sheep. Married the king's daughter. People singing my praises. It's not bad. I got a command in the army. Man, I'm just 20 years old. I got these bars. I'm doing all right. Could it get any better? Well, he was soon to find out it's going to get a whole lot harder. Little did he realize he wasn't getting put on easy street. He was getting put on the devil's hit list. Can I share with you four things to do if you want to get put on the devil's hit list? Someone says, I'm not too sure. Well, well, I know, I know. I know some people aren't too sure, but that's another sermon for another day. Can I give you four things that you want to do if you really want to walk with God and you really want to be a vessel God can use in this last hour? Number one, serve God for who He is, not what He can give you. Number one, let's serve God for who He is, not what He can give you. And our example would be Job. We could pick up many examples. Remember Job? I mean, hell through the kitchen sink at him. But Job kept his integrity. He praised God in the worst of times. Naked I come in. Naked I go out. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Isn't that right? I mean, because he's serving God for who God was, not just for the goodies. We thank God that He blesses. us. We thank God that God gives us things. But our walk with God, our commitment to God, must be an unconditional conditional thing. Our commitment to Christ is unconditional. We we thank God that He does give and He does bless and He prospers us. But we serve Him for who He is and the great salvation He's given us. And if we don't get all these other things and if life isn't a picnic, we don't understand all that. But one thing we know, our devotion to Christ is not for sale. Because we are serving Him for who He is, not for all the natural goodies that He might or might not give us. Can you say Amen? I mean, just going to heaven. He's got me. I didn't deserve that, but I'll take that. Amen. 
Secondly, if you want to be on that devil's hit list, not only serve God for who He is, not what He gives you, have a constant awareness of God and His holiness. Have a constant awareness of God and His holiness. We can choose Joseph as an example for that, can't we? Remember how we refused to sin? Falsely accused the temptress again and again, trying to sway him. He was arrested because she lied about him. You know the story. He lost his coat, but he kept his character. He kept his calling. There's some things you can lose, some things you don't ever want to lose. Wow. Oh, I like that. I like that. See, the devil hates a holy people. Those that live with the awareness, God is here. And Joseph said that, didn't he? Here he's in Egypt. They don't worship the true and living God. He's surrounded by a million false gods. But Joseph had such a God consciousness, such an awareness that surely the presence of the Lord is in this place that when temptation called and others would have thought, this is easy. No one's around. My parents aren't here. No one's around. An easy time to get away with some sin. Not Joseph. He had such a conscious awareness of the presence of God. He said, how could I do such a thing and sin against God? They're saying, what God? This God? Oh, the true and living God. He's everywhere. He's everywhere. He's everywhere. And we walk with that conscience that we're a holy people, a set-apart people. I'm telling you, have a constant awareness of God and His holiness. The devil hates a holy vessel. Number three, become aggressive. Become aggressive in your labors for the kingdom. Number three, become aggressive in your labors for the kingdom. I know I was too lazy to write them out there, so I didn't write them, so you've got to listen to them. Be aggressive for your labors in the kingdom. Get involved touching lives for Jesus. Don't just coast through life. Get involved in what God is doing in this present hour. I think of Nehemiah. Nehemiah is a great example. Remember him? Man, that guy had a good job, didn't he? I mean, talk about working for a government. I mean, he's right hand to the king, pouring the king's drinks. He had it well. He ain't good, amen? He had a nice, comfortable place. He didn't have to worry about anything. But he heard the story that back in Jerusalem, God's city, the walls were in ruin. He heard about the disgrace and the despair of God's people. And he had it so good, but he couldn't get that out of his heart. The Bible says that he wept and he groaned, but then he acted. Sometimes weeping and groaning and praying isn't enough. God's looking for action. God's looking for men and women that say, Lord, I'm going to be part of what you're doing in the earth. It's not enough just to comment on the bad things. We've got to rise up and do some good things. It's not enough just to talk about, look how terrible that is. God says, who wants to be part of the solution? Raise your hands and follow me. Who wants to be willing to get involved in what God is doing? I love it. And here, here is Nehemiah. He, he rallied the troops. I mean, the enemy tried to stop him. They tried to discourage him. They tried to mock him. He wouldn't be stopped. He rallied the troops. He rebuilt the wall. This is it. He initiated the healing. That's what I was trying to get at. Let us be men and women that by faith in God, we initiate the healing. We're not just going to sit around and say, oh, how things used to be or oh, look how bad things are getting. We're going to say this, as long as I have breath in my lungs, Father, I'm going to be about Your business. I'm going to get involved in touching lives for Jesus. Hey, whether it's working in the nursery or going down to Walmart and saying, God, lead me to someone that I could tell about Jesus to. Amen? Regardless of what it is, use your life to do something for the Kingdom of God. Be aggressive in your labors. Don't just wait 
for tragedy to have to stand outside your door, raise up and say, Lord, here I am, send me. And have that awareness and that alertness. Have that readiness. May we be men and women of action in this present hour. Addressing, attacking, giving ourselves to faithful involvement in that which is eternal. Let us be part of the solution, not just commenting on the condition. Let us be determined to touch and help lives for Jesus. Ask the Lord each day, Lord, use me today. Lord, use me today. It could be a smile for a cashier. It could be a kind word. God will use you, man. We're spiritual people, are we not? See, that world, they're lost in their sins and they're dead, but you and I have the Spirit of God in us. And you know, if we, the Holy Spirit can lead us to that person who's going through it. And we can just say a kind word, some young man stocking shelves. Son, how you doing? I pray, Lord, bless you. You look like a smart kid. You know, God will lead you if you let him. He'll show you the career. He'll give you... I mean, it's so easy. How many times you see, you see the lady at the cashier and, and sometimes, you know, once in a blue moon, I know they're paid to smile and be happy, but every now and again, they can't even fake it. Amen? And you can just see the weight of the world and just a kind word. Hey, how you doing today? I appreciate you. I'm going to pray for you today. You know, God loves... That's, sometimes it's the simplicity of an apt word, a timely word, can make such a difference in someone's life. Amen? And you'll be amazed as you offer yourself to God to be a useful vessel. He'll start with little things. And before you know it, there'll be bigger things. He'll realize, hmm, I got a, I got a lady. I, I, got a, I got a daughter that'll listen to me. I, I can use her now. I, I've, got a, I've got a man that he, he'll stop his program if I talk to him and say it's time to do something different than what you had planned today. If I can find that and God will begin to use you, let your life count for eternity. Can you say amen? Become aggressive in our labors for the kingdom. And lastly, lastly, here's the fourth thing. I mean, hey, if you want to be on the devil's hit list, do these things. Number one, serve God for who He is, not what He can give you. Number two, have a constant awareness of God and His holiness. Number three, become aggressive in your labors for the kingdom. I didn't say be abrasive. I didn't say be rude. I said be aggressive in labors. Faith worketh by love. We can walk in love and we can touch our world. We can walk in love and we can touch our world. Can you say amen? Number four, let a healthy fear of God eclipse the slightest fear of man. When you have a proper fear of God, it will give you a courage to walk in this fallen world. And I don't know if you've been paying attention But this world tries to intimidate the church. And every other perversion gets louder. And sometimes I think the church, we're so afraid someone's not going to like us. i got news for you. You walk with Jesus, a lot of people aren't going to like you. I'm not saying be rude. I'm not saying be, be, be nasty. I'm just saying the fact is they crucified Him. He had no sin. Amen? So I want you to mark that down in your thinking. You think of that early church. They feared God and they shook their world. What was their motto? We must obey God rather than man. We must obey God rather than man. And they would not be controlled or quenched by the world's threats, the world's name-calling, the world's accusations or mistreatment. They just continue serving and preaching and boasting on Jesus. That world make you sound like, you know, you got three heads. 
They'll make you sound like if you don't bow down to their confusion, that you're not with it. I got news. I'm not with it as far as this world's concerned. Amen? I'm not trying to be with it. You know, forget being politically correct. Let's start being biblically correct. And I mean, I'm just saying. But if we don't fear God, if we don't really fear God, it's so easy that we get timid. It's so easy that we, we almost get ashamed of the gospel. Oh, man. In this present hour, may the church be the church. Can you stand to be blessed? Has been our title these last two weeks. Changes and challenges that come with God's promotion. Promotion comes with both privileges and problems. David's success created a new family. David's success created a new fame. David's success created a new foe. David's success created a new friend. Jonathan and David. We talk about them even to this day. What a godly friendship. Good friend, like a good neighbor. I read a story. I haven't told you any stories today. I read a story about Bob and Lynn. Bob and Lynn. Hope there's no Bobs and Lynn's here. No, Bob and Lynn. They, they, they weren't what... They, they didn't consider themselves, you know, good neighbors. But finally... They saw this moving van out in front of their street and they decided to change their ways. It's good to change your ways. Amen. And, and Lynn prepared some homemade bread. Maybe that banana bread. All right. Or maybe some sour good stuff. And um, together, her and Bob approached the house. Someone answered the door and Lynn said, Hi, we wanted to welcome you to our neighborhood. Here's some bread. And the woman who answered the door said, Well, thank you. Uh, thanks for your kindness, but um, it's kind of embarrassing. You see, we're, we're, we're not moving in. We're, we're, we're moving out. We've lived here about eight years. <laughs> Try to wave at you once or twice, but you're always, you know, it's kind of, well, you know. <laughs> you know, hey, after you sit in your favorite seat about 20 times in a row, look around and make sure you've greeted the person around you. I guess the moral of that story. All right. But let, let, me, let, let me get back to David's success created a new friend, but this is good. This is, I, I, I like this. Look at um, 1 and 3 after David, David and Jonathan. Jonathan became one in spirit with David. See that in verse 1? One in spirit. Let's talk about this. True friends are a valuable possession. Now, now you know, healthy marriage, that ought to be your best friend. Amen? That man of God, Brother Clendenin, years ago he preached on Jonathan and David. Afterwards, someone said, Oh, I wish I could find a friend like that. He goes, I did. He, you did, yeah. Met her 35 years ago. I married her. Took her right home. Amen. So when you're godly and your spouse is godly, you're, you're best friends. But even beyond that, they're, they're, they're God, bring, God ordains special friendships in His kingdom. True friends are a valuable possession. Appreciate them. Don't take them for granted. Invest in them. Invest in them. You don't get anything out, you don't put anything in, right? They're, they're not a dime a dozen. But as you walk with God, He'll connect you. Jimmy, Proverbs 17 and 17. Let's look at this. And I know some of these, I put these, some of these scriptures up there for the younger group in the next hour, but a friend loves at all times. And a brother is born for adversity. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that true? And you can't count on anyone else. When you've got a dear friend, you've got a dear brother, man. You've got someone in your corner, all right? They'll stay with you through the ICU. Isn't that true? They'll drop everything. Go out there and they'll, 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 they'll do what they can. They'll help you through. There's something precious about that. 
And it's of God. It's a blessing. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. Amen? you got a good friend. That's a gift of God. Amen? Cherish that. Recognize that. This is what David had. You see, God knew that David needed an intimate friend to walk with him through the valley that was ahead of him. Jonathan and David, it's a beautiful friendship. I thank God for especially the younger years. He blessed me some wonderful fathers in the faith. Men you could call at a moment's notice when you had to deal with some issue that at 28 or 30 was over your head. But they could walk you through things. They could pray you through things. Nothing else like having friends that you can be honest with, that you can count on. Amen. Jonathan and David, don't overlook this. Good friends are a gift from God. And we should want to be good friends. And we should appreciate the friends. Literally, verse 1, one in spirit. It means they, they were knitted together. They were knitted together. You see, um, the word communion means to have in common. And they, what do they have in common? Their love for God. Their faith in God. Their loyalty to God. And they connected them with one another. They, um, they both possessed a heart for God. And that's the secret of a believer's lasting friendship. We commune with God and we covenant with one another. Friendships can't be just one way. They demand a giving one to another, a loyalty one to another. They can be tested and they can be tried and they stand the test. We need friends and we need to be friends. Godly relationships are of a great importance. Relationships that can lift us up, hold us up, sometimes shake us up because the wounds of a friend, but always build us up, both in ourselves and in the Lord and in the one God's made us to be. And above the dear friends we have as spouses and other people, men and women, that we can pray together and we can weep together and we can encourage one another. I want to thank God for the greatest friend of all, and his name is Jesus. Can you say amen? What's the Bible say? Look at that. Proverbs 18 and 24. There's a friend. There is a friend. Many, a man of many companions come to ruin, but there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. I thank God for my family. I thank God for loved ones. I thank God for friends I've had since childhood. But I thank God for Jesus. I've got a friend in Jesus. Died for us. Lives for us. Said, I'll never leave you and never forsake you. Be there for you. We want to finish this up. Can you stand to be blessed? God wants to bless, to use, and to promote His people. But it will come with challenges. It will stretch you. It will demand from you. Let us learn to be encouraged by David's life. Let us respond properly and become the instruments God has called us to be. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah. Let us pray and let us just offer ourselves afresh to God that God, we're going to give you our lives and we're going to offer ourselves to you. Use us as you desire. And Lord, when you bring us into new places, when you bring us into new um, experiences, help us to respond wisely. Help us to recognize you're with us and help us, Lord, never to turn back but continue to walk with you and be used of you in this present hour. Go ahead and let's stand as we pray. Father, we love you and we thank you, Lord, for the privilege that we have, that we can be disciples, 
that we can be followers, that we can be vessels fit for the Master's use. Father, in the name of Jesus, help us be able to adapt to the change, adjust to the new days and responsibilities that You would give us the challenges that are before us. And Father, give us the wisdom and strength to respond faithfully and properly to the new seasons of life and all that they bring. Father, we love You. Each one of us, oh God, we want to finish strong. Father, each one of us, we want to finish strong, Lord. We want to finish the race You've set before us. Give everyone here a new excitement about the future. Give everyone here a new excitement about the future. A new expectation about the future. And a new impartation right now of strength and grace to face the future with confidence in the Lord. Walking consistently. Walking wisely. Walking with the expectation that the work You began, You will complete in our lives. Now, Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank You. You've ordained fruit for our lives. Will each one be fruitful? I pray right now for those that need a physical touch. Father, in the name of Jesus, lay Your hand upon them, Lord. Let that hand be laid upon them. Lord, heal the hurting right now. Let there be healing. Let that thing go in Jesus' name. Let that thing shrink in Jesus' name. And let there be an impartation, the working of God's power now to do a complete work, a thorough work. Father, for those in a financial need, Father, in the name of Jesus, You're our provider, You're our shepherd. Lord, give them favor. Help them through supply their need. Father, for those who are just thirsty for more of You. Maybe they're weary in the battle. Father, as they look to You, fill them afresh. Let the refreshing of the Spirit renew their strength. Father, take this group. Order their steps. Give them divine appointments and use them mightily in this coming week. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, God bless you. Don't forget the offering plates are in the back. Please watch your distancing as you go. We'll see you on Wednesday for prayer meeting.